I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello, welcome to the Media Podcast. I'm Matt Deegan. On the show this week, launches galore. We look at the raft of new BBC radio stations, a major US sports tie-up, and the first look at the new Freely TV service. Uh, are we moving further away from separate subscriptions? Uh, also on the programme, Global grabs more talent from the Beeb, and another UK name announces a whole new podcast network. All that, plus no mentions of redundancies, for once. And in the media quiz, we quiz our panellists on the biggest interviews of the week. That's all coming up in this edition of the Media Podcast. In the news this week, Audio UK has launched a manifesto for the year ahead, calling on political parties to offer tax incentives to the audio sector to drive investment and a global IP fund for podcast formats. Uh, there's also a push to open BBC Radio up to 100% competition in non-news programming. RTE's end-of-year accounts make for interesting reading. The Irish broadcasters invested in a live musical adaptation of its popular Late Late Show feature. This is Toy Show the Musical. It lost €2.2 million Euro in the process. Ouch. And media favourite Alan Partridge is to return to our screens in a travel log format after a year working in Saudi Arabia. The show is titled And Did Those Feet with Alan Partridge. Uh, now joining me in the London podcast studios, we welcome back the Senior Director of Strategy at Adaman UK. It's Karen Robinson. Hello. Uh, long time no see. Uh, what's been keeping you busy? What's been keeping me busy? Well, I, you know, I work helping companies figure out what to say about things. And since there's a lot of things going on in the world right now, it's particularly helpful to have some kind of strategy behind it so yeah that's basically it and some workshops we also do some workshops uh what sort of workshops oh brand strategy corporate positioning all kinds of fun stuff like that what are what are companies worried about at the moment or what sort of new things they have to deal with what's on their mind uh well i mean to get serious about it i'm i've just done a presentation on this basically geopolitical threat um, there's massive instability. Businesses are really struggling to make any decisions or, or decide how to move forward considering the instability that's coming up. We've got elections happening in half the world this year, which means it's hard to plan. Um, AI, they're figuring out what to do about that. Tensions with workers, all kinds of stuff going on. So plenty to talk about. <laughs> Uh, there is, there is, and there will be today. Uh, next to Karen, uh, sort of virtually, sort of <laughs> in person, yes. Uh, next to Karen, we have uh, the head of Radio TechCon uh, and person who does other things as well, uh, and Charles. Uh, what's, uh, how was TechCon? 
Uh, TechCon went very well. We had more people coming than we did last year, which is always like how you want to go. And loads of people who came for the first time, which was brilliant. Even so, better. And we should be releasing the um, videos from some of the sessions at some point in the next few months. So radiotechcon.com to sign up for updates for those. Keep an eye on the website. And what else has been keeping you busy? <laughs> yeah. So in my other not running radio industry events thing, um, I am spending a lot of my time focusing on object-based media and helping to get radio, TV, film, podcast industries ready for this new way of how we're going to make and consume content so it's genuinely a bigger revolution than the move from analog to digital so i'm doing a lot of stuff to help producers get ready and start thinking about how to make programs in an object-based way and then talking to broadcasters manufacturers producers as well to make sure that we're getting some of the technical standards together to make it actually work and what do when producers get it Mm -hmm. uh, what are they excited by I think the creative opportunities uh, to do things that they've not done before and also the time saving that they can have with some of the routine things that they do. So if you make a podcast or a radio show, for example, you might be used to having to mix down multiple versions in order to get your trail out or your social media promo or your version for the international market that doesn't have that piece of music in. And so a lot of that routine stuff can be done more quickly. Um, but I think the possibility you could honestly please let's do hundreds of podcasts on this because I could talk about it forever <laughs> well, I guess it's we're at a point now aren't we where all of this is much more live in people's minds they're already creating from multiple platforms mm-hmm. they're already having to change their workflows or think oh what sh- how should I put this together so having some tools that allow you that scale becomes sort of more important doesn't it yeah and also the way I'm trying to train people is to get them to make a couple of tweaks to what they're already doing so that they're ready for it and it doesn't mean that you have to completely throw out everything you're already making and start again it's about enhancing what you already do so that more people can enjoy it in different ways in different places uh well um some people who are doing something uh, quite new or uh, something new to them are the good people of bbc network radio who surprised many with an announcement on wednesday uh, of a slate of new radio stations which um i mean the, the press is quite detailed and you sort of have to read between the lines a little bit but how i read it uh, was they're going to launch these new stations later this year and then they're looking for regulatory approval to launch them on DAB digital radio uh, probably next year so Anne what are the stations what have they come up with in BBC towers well so the stations haven't got official names yet so obviously it's left to me to name them now (laughs) so we've got radio one and a half Mm -hmm. for people who are too old for radio one but aren't ready to admit that they need to listen to radio two okay as far as I'm reading between the lines on the press release, um, Radio One dancey stuff, mm. uh, which, which sort of exists at the moment, which sort of exists, uh, but more. They they have got it on BBC Sounds. I think the strategy for all of these is to put them onto BBC Sounds because they can just do that, and then um, put them onto not DAB but DAB Plus. We mm. can talk about why that's important in a moment. Uh, so Radio Radio One dancey things. Radio Two. I don't know if it's Radio Two Extra, Radio Two Gold. So this is for people who are too old for Radio Two but don't want to admit it. <laughs> Uh, and then Radio 3, I don't know if it's Radio 3 Extra, Radio 3 Chilled, I think mm. you called it Radio 3 Smooth. So or Radio 3 to send your um, upper middle class baby to sleep by, I don't know, it's kind of calm music from their collection. I'm sure they'll be using a lot from their archive and they'll be saying that they're going to be using lots of distinctive music that the commercial sector wouldn't dream of playing. And I think the commercial sector is already saying, mm, actually, <laughs> no, we already are. So. Yes, the response from the commercial radio sector has been, <laughs> has been brusque, I think is the been... polite way of, of describing it. Radio Centre put out quite a punchy statement saying, do not under any circumstances do any of these things. Uh, Boom Radio, who feel that they launched to fill the gap that Radio 2 has left, 
are somewhat annoyed that Radio 2 has basically reappeared to reclaim that after they've made it a pretty big success. Yeah, and then some of the stuff in the press releases in the commentary around it from the BBC have been, oh, we're trying to go after a kind of an older and a younger audience, but CD... E, whatever CD2, that is, that one, CD2E. CD2E yes. um, and it's kind of like, well, older people who are CD2E, let me have a think, because I think the BBC did have quite a lot of radio stations that appeared to that uh, demographic in BBC local radio that they're not doing anymore. Of course, this is a different division of the BBC, so in the unique way in which the BBC is funded, uh, that means it's a different pot of money. Well, just, I, just on that, Karen, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? There's been a lot of issues with BBC local radio, and we've talked about it on the show, and that they're cutting back. And I think not for, for, you know, for pretty good reasons, they're going to reinvest that money into local local digital news now how they do it that's more of a discussion but it's odd to be doing that one end and then network doing something else is this a joined up strategy i mean as a strategist i can only say it feels pretty unstrategic to me um bear in mind this is only an announcement so we'll see how things roll out but i do think there is a disconnect there um in terms of if you're getting rid of local radio stations because you think that money is better spent on digital then why are you launching radio stations that are national that seem to duplicate work that's already being done not only from a kind of competitiveness point of view but also from a like wouldn't it be more interesting to do something something that's actually adding value into the marketplace point of view I think they'd struggle to differentiate themselves and it feels it feels odd to me to go out of a market where local radio where they were kind of one of if not the top leading players albeit the the audience was small but I think it was high value for a public service broadcaster it's clear they were fulfilling a remit that nobody else was fulfilling now it feels like they're going into a space where there are already players in the marketplace and I'm not quite sure it's clear why that happens I mean it's not even like they're taking that money and investing it in kind of original digital productions for example it, it feels like serving um, an audience that exists by all means there's a large audience for terrestrial radio and digital radio um, you know huge and it's actually growing which is probably why they're jumping in there but I'm not quite sure this is the right way of going into it especially after the cuts to local radio so it has gone down really badly with the people that I know who work in the sector if, if we're being nice to the BBC right if we're thinking let's about give the BBC, them the benefit of the doubt <laughs> yeah it's not outrageous for them to go radio's changing listening's changing um, a lot of commercial radio's been able to develop new services which cater for different listeners tastes we've been a bit stuck for a variety of reasons uh, we're playing catch up a bit and this is good for license fee pairs yeah, I don't think this is as big a revolution as when the first slate of DAB stations were announced so like back in the day with Six Music yeah. and BBC Seven as was and all mm. of that when it was this this is this is kind of sister stations. It's it's fleshing out what's already there. I don't get the sense any of these is going to have live content. I think it's going to be lots of archive, some original production. Mm. I think the Radio 1 and a half uh, stuff is going to go out. Uh, quite a lot of those programmes are going to go out to tender to the mm. indie sector. So I don't think it'll be, you know, it won't be free to do, but I don't think it'll be m- as massively expensive as kind of starting a completely brand new full production yeah. you know kind of mixed genre station they've the, and and making use of the archive is probably a good a good use of bbc value and money because we've already paid for that as license we pay always say and like mm. six music was when i was reading the the introduction to six music and that was we'll look at the bbc archive and like you listen to six music okay there's a bit of archive on at the middle of the night but it's all about you know new stuff and live programming and it's very different to what was originally radio x or y back in the day yeah, uh, but it is at least something that felt like it was going to be a really big difference in, in what the BBC had been offering up until now, whereas this feels like, well, it's slightly nudging an audience 10 years one way or 10 years another that we already have. 
uh, yeah, it feels like that we're probably making a bigger deal out of this being brand new stations, whereas they're really... Um, they're kind of sound... I was very pleased mm. to see, or interested to see that they are trying to go for a DAB Plus thing, though, because there has been a whole move in some parts of the BBC to kind of go, shall we just burn down the transmitters? Do yes. we really need those? Let's focus everything onto internet well, streaming. Well, and so, obviously, they are going to go to BBC Sounds first because that's just practically easy. makes sense. They don't have to worry about the extra hurdles they have to get through. But to focus on saying, do you know what, actually radio listening through radio platforms is still an important part of the piece is, is kind of reassuring. I, I mean, that is, it is funny. I, I'm sure Tim Davey said no more linear, both radio and telly a little while ago. And that's when he announced that he was going to shut down Radio 4 Extra. I mean, Karen, if you, if you are a commercial competitor... Obviously, you're annoyed about this straight away because any any competition is 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 bad. You would see that. Uh, you'd rather it didn't exist. Should they just put their big boy pants on though and, and get on with it? Well, I mean, what else are they going to do, right? You know, that there there is no alternative. They're operating in a marketplace. I think, you know, the BBC ultimately has a strong enough brand and a strong enough ability to influence the markets that I'm sure they can make a success of it in competing against the um, the private broadcasters. But there's a big enough audience there that I don't think the private broadcasters need to be in fear of their lives. And they've already built their own audiences. You know, there's been a lot of growth in these radio stations. They've done a great job of building audiences in a, in a sector that previously looked like it was on the decline. So they've done a great job building their audiences. They will continue to build their audiences. I doubt that they will find this to be an existential threat but i understand why they're pretty po'd about it <laughs> i thought also when i looked at it and i know that i spoke to some people there and, and they had spoken to radio center before the announcement so it wouldn't have come entirely out the blue um it, it seems very sort of ready oven baked and ready to go and there doesn't seem to be a lot of room for discussion yes there is a public interest test with Ofcom over the DAB broadcast side of things but the existence of these radio stations is from the BBC's perspective is going is going to happen Mm -hmm. again if I was thinking about strategically introducing these into the country I'd maybe think about really talking about their differences and I'm not entirely sure say the new Radio 1 spin-off sounds amazingly different it sounds like a kind of history version of radio one um, radio three i think is quite interesting that as a spin-off radio three probably could do with a new route for people to come in and i'm a bit more maybe supportive of that but yeah i, th- I think there, there are some things they've done with this that i think will come and bite them on the bottom Perhaps. But I also wonder how much stuff they've got from sounds data. Yeah. Now they've forced everyone to go into sounds. Um, the in. whole mm-hmm. let's let's do a, a classical music spin-off because Radio 3 is there for influence, not for not for numbers. And so I wonder if some of their classical music, uh, sleeping fork, all of that stuff, if that's been doing really yeah. well and someone's gone, maybe that's the, the thing to do. But it's really interesting to me, though, because as a as a kind of gentle classical music listener, Classic FM already exists, Scala already exists. So there's not only a market leader, but also a challenger kind of in that kind of cognitive space. So I'm not sure there's a huge amount of room for them to open up. They've got Radio 3. It, it, it's where where are they going to enter? I'm not quite sure I see what the differentiation is, but it's only an announcement. Let's see what happens. Well. We will see what they've got planned. I have asked uh, for someone important to come on the show, so we'll see if that um, happens in the coming weeks. More important than us. Even more important than all of us. Someone important. Okay, moving on. This week also saw the first look at Freely, uh, the UK broadcaster's attempt to bring all PSBs under one free-to-stream service. Uh, Karen, this was unveiled at the Outside the Box conference on Tuesday. It's set to launch in the summer. Uh, What are their hopes for Freely? 
Well, I think the intention would be, and I think it's a really interesting product in that what's what's been happening more and more is that kind of people are splitting their viewing. Um, they're basically reinvented television, right? They've invented terrestrial TV again because people had split their viewership over so many streaming platforms that they were struggling to discover what content they might want to consume on the platforms that they already own. So Freely consolidates together the free-to-air um, television programs that are happening across everything from terrestrial to the, the places like iPlayer. Um, and I think it's actually genuinely solving a problem that consumers have. And I think any Anytime you're actually solving a problem, you should assume that, you know, you've got every good chance of success. So I think it's really interesting. And I think for me, it's to me, it feels like a signal of the fact that the streaming era has gone a bit mad and people are starting to withdraw from it, starting to retract and and streamline. We've seen this tendency to, for people to now start to go, OK, I don't need Amazon and Netflix and Disney and Apple TV, so I'm going to pick and choose. Freely gives them a one-stop shop for everything that's kind of advertiser supported or free to air. Um, so seems like a strong proposition. Let's see if they can make it work. So this is coming from the people who are now behind Freeview and FreeSat. And so sort of if you want to watch live TV or catch up, you've got Freeview through terrestrial DTT. You've got FreeSat via satellite. And sort of now you've got Free, uh, Freely, <laughs> get it right, um, freely uh, through IP. And I guess if you've got like a cheapo Hisense TV that's connected to your Wi-Fi or it's plugged into your network, suddenly you can get like an EPG-like experience. That's right, isn't it? Anne? That's part of what they're saying they're going to mm. offer that yeah, a better menu and, and a, a way of finding the programs. I was also a bit confused by this because it seems it seems kind of obvious, and then it's like reading through the press release. I was like, well, what <laughs> what, what is different? Oh, it, okay, so it's 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 free view, but for online, or it's um, radio player for TV. Mm. Is it not Project Kangaroo for the internet? I mean, it's kind of, yes. yeah. Um, I mean, the the crazy thing is this is is basically Project Kangaroo, Kangaroo. Yeah. off of the past. If anybody can remember this this was before netflix uh, all of the broadcasters had a very good idea which is why don't we put all of our stuff together for the internet uh, and the uh, competition commission went uh no uh, which actually would have probably meant the uk would have been the world leader in all of this stuff uh, so they, they're getting around to it sort of 15 years later i wonder that is it explained on air that you have to press the freely button or is it just there and then you're going into how does that work with the brand for itvx and mm. iplayer and channel 4 is it just that we don't care about it because we're going through our freely thing why is it not saying it's yeah i'm sure they work it all out i know they are recruiting some more staff at the moment so they're yes. clearly gearing up to sort of do some stuff i mean karen I, when i looked at it i was like does this just drop you into iplayer or um itvx or does it sort of exist in its own thing and it seems to be perhaps a bit of a hybrid yeah i think it's a bit of a hybrid i think the user experience is going to be everything in terms of how this lives or dies um you know i've got i've got a kind of similar app on my my tv at the moment which is an lg content thing and you can navigate around it will point you to where it's happening but the user experience is really clunky it's hard to get in it takes ages sometimes it drops you in then you've got to enter the password so i think it is about getting that seamless the promise that they're making is seamless navigation of the content that's available to you um, and that's all to play for in terms of how they actually deliver it. So it, 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 it probably not yet ready for prime time in terms of the, the user interface, but they can adapt that in an agile way as they go, see, and use that user data to start to improve and optimize. Uh, I was um, thinking about Radio Player, which mm-hmm. is sort of a radio version 
of this it's been around for a long time since yeah. all the radio groups put the put their streams together both for apps and for tv apps but also as a, as a web player the bbc actually has pulled out of radio player quite a bit in the last um few years it's not in the app um, natively anymore they don't use the pop-ups and in the discussions that you know i've had people talk to me about with bbc distribution bbc distribution are quite tough with any of their stuff have been quite tough with any of the stuff appearing elsewhere, particularly in radio and podcasts. Whereas this, they seem to be like, oh no, it's fine, chuck everything in. Uh, is it one rule for one, one rule for the other? It is a bit confusing, isn't it? I mean, the BBC hasn't pulled out a radio player completely. They still part own it. And I suppose being in there for the car dashboard is really what, mm. they're, what they're looking for. So it's a similar problem that you're trying to deal with cars and how many buttons do you have and how do you persuade you know, Ford or Audi or whatever to put your random local radio station mm. in. You need to go as an industry and go, we're ready to go. I mean, it's very unlike the BBC, isn't it, to have different people in different parts of it making different decisions and not talking to each other about the overall strategy. <laughs> That's never happened before, Matt, what you're talking about. Um, They've obviously identified a problem here and gone in and gone, okay, it's worth putting a punt and putting some money into this. um, And it makes sense. It just seems a bit confusing that it hasn't happened already. I I think there's a real confluence of issues um, at the moment. So you've got like BBC Network Radio, BBC Local Radio, Mm -hmm. sort of unaligned, and we talked about before. You've got um, broadcast distribution, both radio, both broadcast radio, Mm -hmm. linear radio, and internet television and how that fits in with broadcast television, all confused as well. Slightly different rules for each. No overarching view, or no overarching view that's been communicated. And especially, as, you know, as I said before, Tim Davey was, was saying, you know, we're, we're not about linear anymore. You know, we're about IP and on-demand. That sort of is in here a little bit, but I think we could do with a bit of a, a refresh. Also, the strategy and what you need for television and visual services is necessarily different. And I think there's also just the, the natural ebb and flow, isn't there, of how businesses operate. It's always a wheel isn't it kind of 10 years later you're coming back to oh let's do project kangaroo Mm. or let's have everyone on their own apps we've got the data versus shall we share some infrastructure so those kind of trends always go backwards and forwards like a pendulum in in any business karen's is a bit driven by consumers as well isn't it how consumers are using these devices broadcasters and all content providers having to kind of catch up with how this stuff's being uh, being viewed and used I think that's exactly right. I think one of the reasons maybe you haven't seen this happen sooner is perhaps because the partners uh, that the, you would want for a service like this were all desperate to drive people to their own apps. I think they'd still like to drive people to their own apps in a perfect world so that they own that relationship. But I think you're starting to see a lot more consumer pushback. As I say, people are streamlining their choices. They're um, navigating in different ways. They're a little bit fed up with the confusing morass that television viewing has become. Um, so I think they're, the channels are probably starting to understand that actually it's in their own interest to make it easy and pleasant for their viewers to watch their shows. Well, it's not just UK uh, rivals joining forces because across the Atlantic, three major sports broadcasters will launch a similar service for fans. Karen, it's quite a big deal, isn't it? Warner Brothers Discovery, ESPN and Fox Sports uh, all going to work together. Uh, What problem are they trying to solve? Um, I mean, similar type of problem, as you say, there's um, so ESPN it being the kind of classic heritage um, sports brand, um, cable, old school cable channel, Warner Brothers Fox. Each of them have different licensing deals with different leagues. So the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, even FIFA, which I kind of I kind of love to see FIFA becoming more and more popular in the US. People are struggling to figure out how to navigate it. And just as we said before, getting a little bit fed up with having to having to subscribe to multiple different packages to follow their favorite teams. And I think there's a real understanding that kind of avid 
sports fans are such a big opportunity. Loyal viewers, they're very eager eager viewers. The advertisers love to advertise to sports fans. It offers those live TV moments that are um, becoming kind of more rare, gather around the, the sofa type of moments. So it's a really appealing group of people to reach. So let's see how that goes. But I think those are, you know, if you've got the NFL, the NBA, um, and MLB all together on one platform, that's going to be really, really compelling to the American demographic. I mean, often you know, sports rights are a big driver of subscriptions and take-ups. Yeah. It's also, isn't it, the sort of competitors working together? Does it sort of devalue uh, the competition for sports rights if basically everyone's working together and, and popping up on the same app? Yeah, potentially. I'm sure that there are some very, very um, carefully written contracts being drafted because they're, you know, they're, they're on that side of things and their potential is hugely lucrative. I'm sure they wouldn't be doing it if they hadn't figured out a way of contracting it in a way that's going to make them scads and scads of money. But yeah, absolutely. As, as I was saying before, you know, previously the channels were all trying to drive people to their own proprietary apps or their own proprietary um, viewing platforms if they're now saying actually maybe there's a way that we can come together and still make the cash that's probably better for viewers but it may also be a question of they have no choice because people are being more choiceful about which which stations which networks they're able they're willing to pay for and tune into thanks both we'll be back with more media news after this hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back. Anne and Karen are here for more media news. In brief, uh, the Sports Agents, another new launch, this time from Global, who are rolling out a new show in the news agent stable called, as I mentioned, the Sports Agents. Uh, and the pun doesn't work, but it's a neat idea, isn't it? Yeah, I think this is a really good booking. It makes complete sense. So Gabby Logan and Mark Chapman are being brought in to do two shows a week. As far as I can work out, it's being produced by Global as opposed to Persephonica. Mm. Well done me for saying that out loud. <laughs> it's a hard one to say. And I think this is a really interesting one because obviously it's going to be a really big year for sport. We've got the Olympics. I think there's the Euros. There's Wimbledon, as you always get, mm. all of that kind of stuff. And Global 
doesn't go as large on sport stuff as some of their competitors. So the BBC has Five Live, Five Live Sports Extra, all of the television coverage. Um, News UK has got Talk Sport and Talk Sport 2. And so they do have some sports coverage as part of their news um, overall coverage. But having a bit of a sports focus, it makes complete sense. You can cross promote to your other audiences. And Global seems to have done quite well about using the talent they have brought in for the news agents across their network as well. And actually, you know, because they're a relatively small newsroom and saying, hey, we have actually got these high profile. You see John Sopel pop up, don't you, on things? Yeah. And And so uh, depending on the deal that they've struck with these two, it kind of makes sense that they then have a bit more access to in-house expertise as well to do a bit of cross promotion. So it it makes complete sense. I think it will do really well in the charts in the UK. Uh, As uh, Anne mentioned, Gabby Logan and Mark Chapman uh, are presenting it. Um, Karen, do you think do you think Global have just got an eye on what um, Goalhanger have been doing with the rest is and are thinking we'll have a bit of I, that? I was literally just going to say I really love this trend of this mini trend of people creating sort of podcast brand families. Um, I think it's really smart. Um, it kind of serves as a quality marker. So if you look at the rest is entertainment, the rest is politics, the rest is history. I think it's done a really nice job of elevating podcasts that might not have ever been finding the same audiences and actually um, kind of packaging them together with a, a sort of badge of quality trusted content etc um so i think it's really smart i would expect they'll probably wind up doing more in this vein although like you were saying at the beginning i'm not quite sure that the naming convention <laughs> stretches as far as the rest is naming convention does but i would expect if anything we'll see more of this for me it kind of feels like it's part of the bigger trend of people you know no longer have kind of big media brands necessarily that they follow loyally as they used to follow a newspaper for example where they would read whatever content that newspaper puts out um i don't think global would be able to put out global brings you xyz but if they create that kind of cognitive connection that people have between um between podcast families i think that's probably Probably a new way of kind of reinventing a, a way of creating brand connotations that's positive for them. And, and Gabby and Mark, good talent, know what they're doing, experienced. Both have had podcasts. Um, Mark Chapman did a lot with The Athletic. Gabby Logan has her own podcast, Midpoint, has, has done other things. Both are okay. None have been sort of superstar podcasts. Do you think they've got the chance to be a top 10 show? Yes. I mean, I know the sports field is kind of a bit more crowded because mm. you know depending on if you want something that's particular to rugby or particular yes. to your particular mm. sport but i think because of the the chance of cross promotion and global is very good at that i mean they will be on billboards up, up and down the m1 won't they yeah exactly mm. and and so they've got the marketing thing behind them and the fact that they are experienced broadcasters and podcasters who actually know what they're talking about so so long as the chemistry between them is right then I think they do have the opportunity to do quite well and I suppose well podcasting a bit like whenever the radio does come up with radio it's quite easy to say you're the top 10 of something isn't yes. it because you can find you can always find a category <laughs> Uh, well, someone who's hoping to be in the top 10 and who has been there a bit, uh, but is trying to do more is Elizabeth Day, who's launched a new podcast network. She's obviously has her own successful podcast called How to Fail, which moved to Sony a little while ago. And it's been around a few different networks. Why do you think she's launching her own network? 
Well, this is an interesting time to to do it. So she says that she's launching it because there's a complete lack of diversity, especially in the UK podcast market, that there's lots of stuff where it's, you know, two two white blokes having Mm. a chat about something. And she had a a nice phrase around two two men who failed at politics having a commentary on why why it failed, even though they had nothing to do with that bit, not working, all of that kind of stuff. There isn't a huge amount more detail. So she's Mm. done an article in The Times. There is a website which just kind of mentions the podcast she already has. And obviously in the last few weeks, we've had Broccoli and mm. Boom Shakalaka, both of whom who are concentrating on on trying to champion diverse um, creators, diverse voices being supported and brought into the podcast um, world, not able to continue. So I think everything she's saying about what she intends to do mm. is really good. She's obviously got the background and the contacts to be able to do it well, but it's a tough market. Uh, and the proof's going to be, I mean, it's, diversity is big underlined section on on her website at the moment. Obviously, it's news. There's not a lot of examples of what that might be, but some more work we'll need to see, I guess. Yeah, as I say, it's, it's been a really tricky year for people who have been doing that. And so uh, all to the good. But um, I, yeah, I wonder what, what will she'll be able mm. to bring that will be a financial success for her as well mm. we'll wait to see we'll wait to wait to see or to listen <laughs> uh, karen obviously podcasting's had a, a few bumps in the last 12 months uh, particularly around money is now a good time to launch a podcast business well, I guess we'll find out. She'll succeed and we'll say, well, it was an excellent time to start a podcast business, wasn't it? Um, or, or otherwise. Um, I, I kind of tend to think it probably is a good time to start it because I think a lot of the bubble has burst and actually there's room now for real kind of thoughtful quality. And I think her point is, is well taken about a lot of the podcasts that have been out there have just been two guys who happen to be mates sitting around and shooting the breeze as opposed to actually thinking thoughtfully about who are the new audiences they might reach. I think it's really interesting her reflection that in the US there is a little bit more diversity in the in the podcast market which I think is is true and I think it's because they've been really smart about understanding they don't need to be the whole point is not to be a mass media it's to find your niche and really serve it well and I don't think we've necessarily done that in kind of at least the prestige UK podcast there's been kind of almost like a saturation of a little bit of a me too oh, I'll jump on that that seems to be popular these days as opposed to going you know actually is there a musical genre whose fans are not well served or is there a kind of hobby or sport whose fans are not well served um so i i hope that that's the direction that she's going it's not just saying let's bring in female presenters and more diverse voices but also let's look at the kind of parts of our world that aren't being covered that people care about and actually go in there Yes, all good points. Um, right, finally before the quiz, uh, staying with audio, Spotify uh, released their numbers for Q4 uh, this week, showing a £64 million operating loss. Um, no great surprise, Spotify, kind of home of making losses. Uh, they never seem to be that bothered by it. Why have they lost money this time, Karen? Um, this time they've lost money because they've bought lots and lots of books. <laughs> so they <laughs> they used to think that podcasts were going to be the way of the future and that was going to be audio forever and that's how they were going to make their, their trillions. And now they think that audiobooks are the way of the future and that's uh, that's how they're going to make their trillions. So they've bought the rights to 200,000 audiobooks, apparently in an intention to go to, to, to best Audible 
Audible, which is the kind of current audiobook leader in their marketplace. And it's a pretty smart strategy, I have to say. I've been following the publishing industry really closely because I've just I'm working on a novel and trying to find literary agents for it at the moment. So I'm kind of aware that actually publishing is growing pretty well and actually audiobooks within publishing is one of the sectors that's growing the fastest. So it is from that point of view, like they're not wrong to say that's where the growth is coming. Audiobooks are are a big thing and also compared to podcasts, they have the the virtue of kind of having been previously published content. So, you know, they've been vetted, there's they've been edited thoroughly, etc. etc. So there's a sort of quality marker there to audiobooks that come from mainstream publishers. And whereas previously it used to be the case that the publishing industry would often put a book out and then think about the audiobook. Now it's very much treated as a package deal, right? They'll produce everything to a very high standard, publish the publish the book and the audiobook at the same time. Um, whether or not that's going to be kind of driving Spotify's growth for the foreseeable future, I'm not so sure. I can see why they like it, not only because it's um, it's currently growing, but also because there's a lot of hours in there, right? The thing about listening to an audiobook is it's a lot of content that you're consuming, and that's a lot of advertising opportunities and so forth. So I can see why they're excited about the potential, but I, I kind of not sure how much more growth there is in audiobooks. I think you will at some point tap out and everybody who wants to listen to audiobooks is listening to audiobooks. They're probably saying like, will it reach a different audience on Spotify? And it's also, is it them recognising that there is no money in music, there's never been any money in music, they sort of lose money being a music provider and they've got to make money from things like audiobooks and, and podcasts to keep the, the vessel afloat? Yeah, I mean, definitely the music marketplace is broken, although I would say Spotify helped break it, so they're in no position to judge. Um, so, yeah, there isn't a lot of money in music for sure, except for live, which is, you know, not something that Spotify can have a lot of a lot of role to play in. Um, I guess it's just a question of, and so audiobooks is not a, not a bad play, and actually having a good mix of podcasts, audiobooks, you know, music is, is probably the way forward. Um, I just, I'm not sure that their, their growth potential is infinite. Uh, and they haven't abandoned podcasting, though. It's still a, a key thing for them. They've re-signed Joe Rogan, uh, but there's a shift from him being a platform exclusive, isn't there? Yes, so I think they're still in control of the adverts and some revenue from that, but he can now go on to other platforms, which I guess is a win-win from his point of view because he's already the most popular on their platform. So Yes, and I think there was a, a sort of, in Daniel X's statement, he sort of said, uh, our job to get people to use Spotify for podcasts has gone well and we don't need to force people to use it anymore. They're all there, so we can release all of our shows or the most vast majority of their shows to sort of open RSS and just make the money off the ads. Yeah, and I guess there's also whether or not they found that the investment that they were putting into some of those, I mean, with Joe Rogan, it's slightly different because they're still paying him loads, but mm. they, they have paid a lot of money to some artists and, and creators and then not necessarily seen a return. And also, conversely, you've had people like M. Rossiano in Australia, who was very, very pleased to be a Spotify exclusive in Australia for a year and then was at the end of that, was offered a renewal and chose not to take it because actually it didn't really make so much mm. sense for it to be just exclusive to one platform so it's yeah i guess it swings and roundabouts they're going for a share of ear aren't they they just want you inside one app and then being able to listen to everything yes. <laughs> every genre you can possibly imagine uh, yeah and it's like i think if you're not going to get them in spotify let's get them everywhere else um and if we can drag people in for audiobooks and podcast and music then that's that's cool too it's going back to what we were saying before isn't it it's the convenience of being in one place for mm. some people versus 
having a, a dedicated app for each thing for, for others. So it depends really on where you already loaded up your podcast. You know, it was a pain in the pain in the whatever to go yes. to a um, an exclusive Spotify if you're not using Spotify for everything else. Um, yeah. It'd be interesting to see if um, Joe Rogan sort of off of open RSS for a couple of years, uh, whether he'll kind of instantly go back to number one and stay there or whether he has sort of lost out a bit on an audience that's developed in other places. What, on Spotify or in general? Well, just on when we look in the Apple charts, how oh, okay. well how well he'll do. Will he reclaim his, his sort of top spot or is he going to have to work hard to regain that audience? I mean, I think he's either way he's doing all right, isn't he? He's, he's fine. fine. He'll, he'll be not, fine. Let's not worry about Joe Rogan too much. Uh, okay, just enough time for the media quiz. This week entitled Head to Head. Lots of head-to-head interviews this week have been making headlines, but can you identify the participants from the news lines that I give you? Uh, buzz in with your names if you know the answer. So Anne, you'll say... Anne. And Karen, you'll say... Karen. Right, let's play head-to-head. Question number one. Who made a £1,000 bet this week in the middle of an interview? Anne. Karen. Oh, Anne just got in there. It was Piers Morgan and Rishi Sunak. Well, Rishi Sunak probably says that he didn't make a bet at all. He just got confused by a hand being put out. Yes, yeah, not, uh, not a great week for Rishi Sunak. No. This is him on Talk TV uh, with Piers Morgan when challenged about his Rwanda policy. Always good making £1,000 bets when talking about migrants and people yeah. less fortunate than yourself. It was a very awkward situation all around, wasn't it? I don't like about Piers, though, Karen. He can certainly still make headlines, can't he? Um, he's very smooth operator. He knows what he's doing. Um, and I think it's really interesting because if you listen back to that audio, as you say, the, the PM doesn't at any point actually accept the bet. But because Piers Morgan has his hand out, he kind of shakes it. And, you know, shaking on a bet, we recognize as being a, an acceptance. I think a lot of people are given pause by the idea that the PM, to be reminded that the prime minister is married to a billionaire and a thousand pounds for him is more or less like dropping the price of a cup of coffee. So I think it's probably not the kind of signalling that he wanted to put out there as we enter an election year. Uh, Okay, question number two. Uh, Who thanked Elon Musk for making an interview possible this week? Karen, who was it? Well, so this is the Tucker Carlson uh, interview with Vladimir Putin. So Tucker Carlson, the former Fox News TV host, he no longer has a television program, but he's gone to Russia where he's interviewed Vladimir Putin and will apparently be broadcasting it on his X channel. So, um, yeah, let's see how that goes. Yes, if you're listening now, it probably uh, was on on Thursday night. Uh, so we wonder what happened. I imagine it will be incisive and it will be really tough on him. I imagine that will be what happens. Okay, question number three. Who said this at the Broadcasting Press Guild lunch on Tuesday? Let's call it a lover's tiff. We've been together a long time and these things happen. I think it was a little bit unfortunate, but we're all fine now. Anyone? We clearly don't get invited to the right places, Karen. <laughs> uh, this was um, someone talking about their relationship with the BBC, who's also in the podcasting space, likes to tweet, likes what, crisps. Was it Gary Lineker? <laughs> it was Gary Lineker, Karen, uh, talking about his relationship uh, with the BBC. Uh, yes, he just thinks it's uh, a lover's tiff over um, BBC guidelines. Do you think he'll still be presenting Match of the Day this time next year, Anne? Yes. Yes, Karen? Yes, he's very good at it. Uh, well done, Karen. You got two points there, so uh, you win the competition. Uh, you get to discuss uh, what the media podcast spin-offs will be in a kind of news agent, sport agents fashion. And you come back to us with your homework in the coming weeks. Um, thank you both. Uh, and how can people keep up with what you're doing? 
Um, so I am annecharles.tv as my website and I am at Sparky Ansi on X, but not really there very much. And I'm quite often on LinkedIn. Excellent. Uh, Karen? Yeah. Um, so I'm still on Twitter, which I refuse to call X, at Karen Jr. Karen with an I. And if there are any literary agents out there looking for a fantasy fantasy novel that's about an election happening in the fairy kingdom that mashes up political political drama with uh, ancient mythology, then give me a ring. <laughs> Lovely podcast rights also available. Thank you both. <laughs> But wait, before you go, there's a sizable discount waiting for you, a listener to the media podcast. That's because the London Podcast Studios, where we record our show, is offering 25% off your first booking when you use the code MEDIAPOD. Just head to thelondonpodcaststudios.com for 25% off with MEDIAPOD. That's the code. And if you're new to the show, remember to hit follow in your podcast app of choice or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search for The Media Podcast with Matt Deacon. Uh, And if you have any first-hand experience of the stories we've talked about today, uh, why not send us your comments if you are listening in Spotify? There should be a lovely little box on your screen uh, where you can send us your missives. Uh, My name is Matt Deegan. The producers were Ollie Peart and Matt Hill. It was a Rethink Audio production. I'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.